0: Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. The Devils of Ludin and Etherius both released their latest albums earlier this year, within a month of each other through the Artisan Era. Scott Hermans joins me today to chat about his involvement in both bands and the albums "Escaping Eternity" in Laden. Scott, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. Pleasure. No problem. Uh, did I pronounce Leiden right? Or is it Leiden? Or? I think
1: it's Leiden. But again, that's a German word, so I might be pronouncing it wrong, too.
0: What does it mean? Suffering, I believe, or suffer. My first question is, how is it like to work on two albums simultaneously? Um, yeah, it was a bit crazy. It's weird how that happened. I mean, I wouldn't... I
1: guess I was working on them both simultaneously, but the recording processes were separated. The release of, you know, Ethereus' album came out in January and then almost exactly a month later, Devils came out, um, was it was kind of a coincidence because both were started at separate times and just happened to be finished around the same time. Um, one album took way longer. The Devils' album took way longer to finish than the Ethereus did. I mean, the Ethereus' record, we they blasted through that pretty quick, short and sweet, which was good. But basically, when I was done, when we got everything recorded for the Devil's record, I just immediately started on tracking bass for Ethereus, and uh, my role in Ethereus is just less involved, so it was, it was not nearly as a burden as the Devil's album had been.
0: With the Devil's album, was uh, were there any challenges or complications that you had in the production?
1: I mean, not. I mean. I don't really think challenges or it was just that like uh, devils is kind of my, you know, my baby, it's kind of my little brainchild. And then Ethereus, I just play bass and like do some of the songwriting and little, little things. But like, that's Kyle, the guitar players brainchild. So like with devils, I'm involved in everything. And so like, you know, tracking the vocals and just like, I don't know, writing the songs and it just takes, a lot more and i guess i'm just slower at working <laughs> than some of those guys in so Ethereus track guitars really quick and i just can't seem to do it like i think i probably spent like i don't know six to eight months tracking the devil's record you know getting the guitars where i wanted them because i just i don't know maybe a little uh little perfectionist there i don't know but Ethereus guys
0: blasted through their stuff i mean you know super quick i'm jealous really well i mean you'll get there and i think it it says a lot when you take that much care and attention to your own project
1: yeah for sure i mean and you know it's both projects are so different and they're going for different sounds obviously i mean anyone has heard both they're 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 basically polar opposite bands and with devils it is i wanted everything like very tight you know every you know every note was Kind of thought about and placed in there, and like it was very mapped out. With Atherius, it is more loose, and you know they're just like you know they want it to sound um, not necessarily razor sharp, but like people are playing the music. It gives it kind of a more of aggressive feel, you know. Just um, not everything, you know, gritted like a lot of metal bands. Whereas Devils kind of is, and that's you know it's just what I like in that music, what I think fits for Devils versus Atherius, you know.
0: In being so specific with your mu- music with Devils, is it more difficult to play live?
1: Oh, well, you know, it's, it's, I wonder, I mean, the Ethereum stuff is technical for sure. Kyle and mm-hmm. Ben are players. They have some really technical shit to play. Um, and I mean, so I don't know, I'd have to ask him, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I mean... Like, the Devil stuff is is technical, but at the same time, I don't feel it's quite as crazy technical as, like, a lot of the tech death bands that are on the Artisan Era. Like, I don't really consider Devils a a technical, a tech death band. Um, Stuff like Infury is way fucking more insane, you know. I like a lot of bands. The Devil stuff, well, it's, like, somewhere in between, like, melodic death metal and tech death. It's not quite all the way there but it's got some elements of it. There's certainly challenging parts. I mean, right now we're thinking about um, possibly touring later this year since, you know, shit you back up. And now I got to, you know, relearn some of these songs and I haven't played them since, you know, I recorded them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck, why did I write it like this? You know, <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a pain in the ass to play live. But,
0: you know. How long did it take you to um, complete the Devil's album from start to finish?
1: so i actually had a i did some like mapping out of time this morning because i mean it was yeah the last two years have been like a blur because i've been working on both of them but from what i gather we basically started recording the devil's record in january 2020 and we finished it 14 months later <laughs> so and that's turning in everything the artwork and everything and a mix and mastered so obviously all that process you know took time too um But uh, yeah, that was like a good 14 months. And we didn't really, I mean, you know, I didn't think it was going to take that long for sure. I didn't plan on it. I thought this album would be out way before the Aetherius record. But um, in January, you know, 2020, it was like right when COVID was coming around. And um, initially our idea was just to release a single, just a one-off single because we haven't released music in four years. We want people to know. Devils was still alive, you know, give them something. And then we would record the record and release it. And uh, so we actually recorded that single. Then we talked to Mike Lowe at Artisan Aaron and Fury, you know, the guitarist from Fury about mixing it. But he was too busy uh, to do anything for a few months because I think he was tracking like an Inferi EP and then doing an Inferi record right after, you know, like just super fucking busy all the time. Like, oh, if we got three months, like maybe we'd do the record and then COVID hit. And shut everything down, we're like, okay, well for sure we should probably just do the record. <laughs> like, you know, we're gonna be like a bunch of people got laid off, you know. It's like, all right, well, I guess we better start hammering the shit out. And then I mean, kind of the same deal with Aetherius. I mean, I don't you know, I think Aetherius probably would have taken a little longer if it wasn't for COVID. Like COVID shut down and then, you know, everything and it was like, What do you want to do? It's like, well, I just better start writing songs, finish up the second record, you know. For sure. So yeah, but the Devils record was written before the pandemic. I mean, it was done. We were just like trying to find the right time to like sit down and get this shit recorded. Aetherius wrote through the pandemic. So, while I was while I was recording Devils, I was going to weekly band practice with Aetherius and we were jamming out songs and working on stuff. And uh yeah, it just kind of went coincided and finally you know, Devils was done and that was perfect because now the Ethereus record was written and we got to start recording that. I mean, luckily I only play bass in that band. So I tracked all my shit in my house and, you know, sent it over and that was that. I'm not involved beyond that. So, but yeah, it's crazy how it worked out. I mean, and then I think we turned, yeah, we turned our albums in like a month apart and sure enough, they came out a month apart, uh, you know, d- did not intend it to be that way for sure. I mean, it was like two years of just constantly working on music, and then uh, I was kind of worried too with both bands being released so uh, close to each other with the same singer, vocalist Vance, is same in you know, Ethereus and Devils. I was like, man, people are gonna get sick of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, but luckily, I think both bands are so different that uh, it's fine. You know, I think someone who digs Ethereus a lot probably might not dig Devils, and vice versa. You know, the music is just so different. So, well,
0: and I think that would prevent anyone from getting sick of uh, any of the members, really, when it comes down to it. The styles are completely different. So, sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I was just worrying about it because you know, people are going to be, we're going to be spamming our Facebook feeds for like, you know, every, you know, for a few months leading up to it. And it's going to be like, hey, my band and then this my, other my band, you know, this shit's coming out. Like, buy both my you know <laughs> it's like it was just it was a lot but and eh, i mean it worked out good you know i mean i think it did um so i'm glad
0: so other than completion what would be the most enjoyable part of putting together the devil's album um for you
1: i mean fucking just finishing it was the most enjoyable thing <laughs> it was it just took a long time it was just a long process i really i don't know i guess I don't know if I enjoy recording it so much as I enjoyed writing like the album. I mean, writing the songs is really fun and seeing it completed is awesome for sure. I mean, it's just, you know, feels good. That finally done, you know, I just worked on it so much, but like with a recording bass is actually pretty fun, but I mean, there's probably, I might be cause there's just less pressure a little bit in there, mm-hmm. you know, just a singular girl in the band, like show up and just, you know, you
0: know, track my bass lines and I don't know. So in Ethereus, with the songwriting and all that stuff, do you basically get creative freedom when it comes to the bass? Or is there kind of a direction that they give you and say, like, this is kind of what we want you to follow?
1: No, I do. I'm I do. When I joined the band, um, they had already had an EP out. And so I learned all those bass lines that the uh, previous bass player Sean wrote. But um, no, with the with the two Ethereus records, I had been actually there might have been actually the on uh, Absentia there was probably a few bass lines, maybe some outlines of stuff that Kyle had written out or somebody else, but uh, most of that is me. And then on the new Ethereus record, Light Ends, 100 me. I mean, I just you know have at it, which is great. Um, that's cool, and I wrote majority of one song on that record. And contributed some parts here and there to other songs but um again that's mainly kyle guitar players you know a little brain child he's a little the mastermind there
0: man with the vision and now that both albums are out released and everything do you guys have any tours planned for either group or both we're
1: trying to do i mean we're trying to do both you know uh, and it's looking like it'll happen eventually but it's kind of a slow rollout you know as things kind of get back to normal i mean i'm hoping devils can get something going in june just even small like a week-long tour you know ethereus has been trying to get stuff going and we you know might have some stuff i don't even want to say it because i feel like i'm jinxing it you know (laughs) we talk about because so many tours have fallen through you know ethereus had a big tour like right when COVID hit that all canceled You know, I know a billion bands that have, you know, booked tours thinking that, you know, this was the end of it. And then that fell through, you know, but yeah, ideally for sure, both bands want to get out on the road. It's just hard. I was kind of worried about, you know, a few aspects of since COVID, you know, a lot of venues have shut down a lot of smaller venues, you know, which normally would host these like kind of technical death metal bands because we're not drawing too many people, but You know, a lot of those closed down. And then also, every other band in the world is probably aching to get back out on the road. And it's going to get pretty bottlenecked pretty soon. Like, I mean, I you know, everyone wants to tour. So, you have five, you know, different tours rolling rolling through Seattle at once. It's like,
0: it's going to be tough. Totally. Uh, The best part is there's no shortage of fans who are just aching to get out and see live music again. No, totally. Yeah, even you know been trapped for two years i mean it's crazy
1: i've i i was thinking about the other day i went i went and saw dream theater recently and that was nice. the first concert i think yeah, first show i think that i've been to since covid kind of hit i mean ethereus played one show i think in june last year when everything kind of let up a little bit and um yeah it's fun it was a lot of fun it was killer it was less, this little festival they did in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, yeah, a ton of people came out. I think it might have sold out. I think they were doing like limited capacity stuff still, but you know, a few hundred people there. I mean, it was super fun, but then right after it's just like, you know, shut down again, back to the,
0: you know. The same old bullshit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> All right. You know, square
1: one. So yeah.
0: What was the best thing for you about getting back on stage?
1: I don't know. I was a little nervous, honestly, because I was like, fuck, I haven't played for a year. I was like, Oh man. You know, (laughs) but uh, I don't know. It is fun. Once you get up there and you know, you see people just like, you know, partying and moshing and and enjoying it. it's yeah, it's fun. Kind of get back in the groove of things. But even now it's like, yeah, I've only played one show in two years. It's like, that's, that's pretty weird. You know, when the last 10 years of my life I was playing, I don't even know how many shows a month, you know, or whatever, just constantly. So big change. And it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like, do I forget how to do it? You know, do I to relearn how to look cool on stage? Like, <laughs> <you laughs> no, no, I think it'll come back. I think it came back pretty quick on there.
0: Well, I mean, for somebody who's been doing it for so long, I would, I would guess that, but you never know. I mean, two years is a long time not to be doing what you love.
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, no, I think it's you know,
0: riding a bike. You know. um, if I remember correctly, you played a show in, I think, 2018 with both bands. Would you consider doing a tour with both bands? No, no.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not. Actually, I've done this twice. So, And Vance has, too, because he's the vocalist <laughs> of theorists and Devils. But, um, yeah, the first one, I think, was Archspire and Archaic and Devils and Aetherius opened. And there was one after that where both bands opened up for a band called the Kennedy Vale. I think they just had, like, an off day as they were heading to Canada to tour, I think. And um, we were like, yeah, we'll play a show and come with you guys. But it's tough. I mean, two sets in a night is, like, I don't know. It's rough because, like, one you got to like, you know, rock out and look cool. So you're just like exhausted after the first set, and then you got to do another. So I mean, you're just like disgusting after playing two sets, you're <laughs> head to toe and sweat, you know, and um, hardest thing for me too, is like, the brain has to switch these instruments, you know, they're similar bass and guitar, but they are different. And um, switching from like playing a gigantic bass in the theory, theory I play a six string bass. Cause I play seven string guitars and my bass weighs like a thousand pounds and it's like this huge instrument. And then I, and I'm playing with my fingers. So then I got to switch and now play a very small feeling six string guitar with a pick. It's just like my brain doesn't quite, it's really difficult to switch back and forth and feel proficient. It's not like I can warm up, you know, playing uh, with a pick while I'm doing the Ethereum set or something. So you know, and then you got to you got to remember two sets, man. You got to prepare both. You got to practice both. I mean, it's double the effort of everything.
0: So, with these shows, were you back to back, or was where there's a, another group in between? The spire one, there was a group in between, okay. so that was
1: more doable. But that, even then, I was just like, "Fuck, I'm never doing this again." And then <laughs> the Kennedy Vale one was just back to back, and that one was that was like, Dude, "I'm never doing this again." <laughs> so. We've definitely that the, the you know the ideas come up because like the band shares two members, the doubles, like "Yeah, I tour together, and I'm like, no way, man, that would be that would be rough.
0: You could do like alternating headliners.
1: It'd be cool to. I mean, I mean, it is a cool idea. I like it, but at the same time, it's just it's so hard to focus on. I want to focus on one thing at a time. That's like fair. for sure, and that's like generally how i do things i mean i have you know i haven't played a, bit, a lot of bass lately because i've been focusing on guitar just because seems like devil's my tour before then so and then after that i'll probably switch focus again and just completely focus on bass you know mm-hmm. it's just like these little periods where i switch through um definitely don't do a lot of both at the same time or at least i try not to it's just hard
0: well, like and you mentioned earlier that um they're completely different sounding bands, so I think like you're not only switching instruments, but you're switching gears completely. For sure, yeah.
1: I mean, playing bass in Ethereus is definitely different um, than you know the guitars that I do in Devils, and the Ethereus stuff is, I mean, it's very complicated. Um, it's very technical, but it's also got, I don't know, it's. I guess bass generally might be easier, you know, that's the stereotype, <laughs> and it, I think it might be true. I mean, it's a little easier, it, and I think it might be just because the pressure seems a little less when you're playing bass, it really does. You don't when you're a lead guitarist, you think everyone's watching you the whole fucking time, and you're like trying to shred. And you don't want to miss these notes because people are going to try to watch it. When you're playing bass, it's a little little more relaxed. You know, I I don't really feel like everyone's eyes are on me the whole time. So it's it's lower stress. I also think um, not playing with a guitar pick is really, like, liberating and freeing. I love playing with my fingers. I love playing um, classical guitar. Okay. Acoustic, nylon string, finger picking, like, that kind of stuff. Not having a pick, I mean... It really open, you know. Then now you have five picks. You know, you got five fingers. Like it's it's nice. Not have to worry about dropping the pick when I'm
0: sweating profusely. So, yeah. but is it possible to play bass with your fingers, or is that something that you generally shy away from? No, I play bass with my fingers. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, so you just moved away from your pick in both instruments, then?
1: No, 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 no. Guitar. Sorry, oh, I mean okay, sometimes confuse that sometimes you say bass guitar basically yeah no i play guitar with the pick for sure and devils and then bass i play with my fingers uh, in the theories.
0: okay what's the choice to play with the pick uh on the guitar
1: on the on the guitar and devils yeah i mean it would just be impossible not to play it with a guitar pick you know okay uh yeah it would be so hard i mean that's uh, the string spacing on a fretboard on an electric guitar is very, very small, and you need to be able to get in there. You know, a bass is much more spread out. I mean, really, I think bass was designed to be played with your fingers, you know. And certain guitars are, but those are acoustic guitars. Electric guitar is really, really meant to be played with a pick. Um, yeah, I can't. I mean, yeah, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't use it, especially in this music. It's like if you're gonna like tremolo pick really
0: fast wrists, like you need to have that pick. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't even think about the the space in between the strings and stuff like that. It's not something I would consider. I'm not in. I'm not familiar with instruments at all. So, sure. Yeah. No. I mean, and that's yeah.
1: It's there's there's a lot of aspects into it, but I mean, you certainly can play an electric guitar with fingers. I mean, sure, but to play this music that we're trying to play. I mean, that would be fucking impressive. <laughs> I mean, that would be, I would be very interested to see how someone pulls off some of that shit. But I know, I know there's a few guitarists that are not technical death metal guitarists, but there's some, there's some pretty shreddy guys that use their fingers, but yeah, for this pick is totally required. You know, it's a lot of sweeping, just a lot of staccato riffing, a lot of like tremolo picking really fast stuff. And, um, and then with bass, it's like, it's it's, it's its own instrument. I mean, it's very similar to guitar, but you have a different role. You wanna, you know, support the guitars, you know, bring in that low end, but also wanna, you know, add something to the song. So, so I don't know, but just, I feel a little less pressure, I guess, live when I'm playing bass. <laughs>
0: Is that partly because you think it's um, like bass is generally seen as somewhat of a background instrument?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that stereotype helps, yeah, because everyone, you know, shits on the bass player, <laughs> which is I, you know, I don't agree with. Now that I'm, you know, playing the bass, I mean, I, there's certainly some bands where the bass is just the bass, you know, and it's very simple, and they'll just stick with the root notes and uh, you know, chug along or whatever. I mean, if if a band plays without a bass player or without backing tracking the bass at least i mean it's not going to sound good it's, it's something will sound missing so it's very important um but yeah there is that stereotype you know oh, it's just the bass player so and i you know but then there's also i think there's more of an appreciation for bass players and technical death metal you know i mean there's, you know Alex Webster and Campbell corpse. I mean, he's, he's kind of like the guy that I would watch every time I go see Campbell corpse. I love him, you know, but.
0: Well, and it's, I I think part of it too, is that you don't have the same type of spotlight on the guitar because you don't have the same uh, amount of solos. Like generally speaking, the vocalists and the guitarists are put out in the spotlight. They have their solos, they have, yeah, with the drummers, I've started to see more of that. And there's some incredible drummers. But I I can't think of too, too many bands that include long quality bass solos.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not as common for sure. I mean, there's like the, you know, super crazy tech death bands that have a uh, blanking on the dude's name, Hugo, I think. Or no, that was uh, uh, the bassist in First Fragment. And he used to be in beyond creation. But anyway, I mean, that guy is basically soloing the entire song, you know, it's like, he's just like the, the riffs are crazy. And uh, Hugo is bass player for equipoise. And again, he's just, it just seems like they're soloing the entire song. It's absolutely nuts. But yeah, it's not really that spotlight moment most of the time where, you know, it's like the big guitar solo comes up and you know, it's coming up. Mm-hmm. The bass is still kind of in the background. I think one band that kind of does bass solos pretty good is Neabliviscarus. Um they really kind of like dial back the music when the bass is going to do something technical and cool or solo and kind of gives them gives a the bass player that uh that room to shine, you know.
0: Mhm. And I like that. I mean, it's I think it's very cool. Do you think that metal would benefit from more solos from bass? These players,
1: yeah, I mean, it all just depends on the music. I mean, I love it, you know. Um, it just depends on the genre, depends on what people are going for, you know. Soloing in general, it's uh, I don't know, it's like I love guitar solos, don't get me wrong, you know. You know, I love John Petrucci Dream Theater, you know, some of his solos are like the best things I've ever heard, you know. Um, but I think there's there's kind of an overuse in my opinion a bit of an overuse of solos in uh in technical death metal you know there's some band like devils i don't not every song on the devil's record has a guitar solo um you know it's there if it needs one in my opinion but it's uh there's and then there's plenty of bands that have like you know four guitar solos every single song you know and it's it's super cool. I mean, it's amazing to be able to play like that. I mean, maybe I'm just jealous I can't. But <laughs> it's just uh, it seems excessive to me, you know. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I think they they can be a bit overused. I kind of like the uh, the idea of like the one just one big quality solo. I guess the the you know quality over quantity on the, on the solos.
0: Yeah, and I think like especially with technical death metal, you have listeners that may get tired if it's broken up too many times.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and sometimes it, you know, when bands, are, it seems like an afterthought. That's something I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, it works sometimes, but I don't. I don't do it in Devil's music, where um, band will write a song and then they'll kind of like go back through and be like, hey, let's like put a guitar solo here. You know or maybe something go over here when maybe they didn't intend it to or whatever whereas in devils when i'm writing the songs it's um when i get to a part that i you know is going to be a solo section I'm like this is going to be the solo section you know and then i move on there is no afterthought and just like placing solos over random parts of the music it was basically written into the song um and some songs just I felt didn't require it. So I was like, I don't think we there's no need
0: for a guitar solo. Well, I mean, if you go back and add a guitar solo after the fact, it just seems less organic.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and yeah, I think it can, and also I think it can't too, actually, because the way that um, like I kind of write them in, it might sound like they're uh, they're composed in, you know, versus the solo that some guy. Um, just kind of like lays out, improvises over a section of a song, probably does sound more guitar solo-y, you know, quote unquote, traditional guitar solo or ours sound probably more composed. And I mean, that's just simply the case, but um, matter of preference. And, you know, I like them both. I mean, that's fine. But yeah, it is, you know, Devils is not a band that's going to have like, I don't know, you know, you know, obscene amount of guitar solos every song. Sure, you know I like getting a song where there's not one. You know, it just seems interesting. I don't feel like I don't really see a lot of tech death bands doing that. Just writing a song with no solo.
0: Well, I mean, like you said, if you need one, you need one, and if the song doesn't call for one, it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, totally not. Yeah,
1: I mean, like in Fury. I mean, I mean, I love In Fury, and you know, Mike and Malcolm own our Snare Records that I'm on, so. They do a lot of solos and I love them all if you're listening. But you know. So, yeah. Now they they do tons of guitar solos. They make it work, you know. They obviously have a good good songwriting skill set too, which is another I mean there's a, you know, you got to write a song. It can't just be just only solos, only shredding, just craziness. So, I like a good a good song.
0: And speaking of Malcolm, he's um, so he he seems to be directly involved with basically all the releases on Artisan Era, but uh, on Metal Art it says that he's credited with doing the layout um, of your album. Like, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, so I think he's probably done 99 percent of the layouts for anything on Artisan Era. But um, basically, you know, we finished all the tracks, they were mixed and mastered, and then we got the album artwork and we turned it into him. And, uh, he designed the CD out, like layout, how it's going to look on the, the back of the, you know, the case, the track listing, he designed the lyric booklet, he designed the vinyl layout, he designed the, the the colors of the vinyl that they were going to print, like all that stuff. So he's going he's Photoshopping, you know, and designing stuff. So he's, you know, doing the layout, but it's impressive. He has an impressive set of skills because, uh, he can be he pretty much does just about anything.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. And he, um, you can definitely tell him how much he cares about the, the artists on his label. Like it seems like he's involved at in so many different levels and not just somebody who's part of the label, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. He, he keeps it in house. I mean, it's really just, you know, I, you know, Mike and Malcolm are doing it all. I know they might have an employee or two, but, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. The amount of effort that they put in like, uh, but it's nice. It's really nice. I mean, it's obviously, it's not the biggest label in the world, but, you know, working with two other musicians who basically understand the, the struggle of working with, you know, record labels that are uh, more of a business than, you know, care about more about the business aspect and the art aspect, like they're, yeah. They're awesome. You know, they didn't, you know, they had some good like suggestions on things, but I mean, I have no doubt that if I came, if we went in there and we said, you know, this is a hundred percent what we want to do and we don't want to change a thing. They would have been like, all right, cool. Like if that's what you guys want to do. Sure. Well,
0: that's a good way to build the relationships with uh, the, the bands on your label, but it also shows that you're willing to uh, let them take charge. Yeah, totally. I mean,
1: they, you know, they definitely, they're, you know, they're like crowding the bands that they really like for sure. I mean, I know they're pretty picky. I know I've listened to Malcolm Field podcast. He says they're pretty picky about who they uh, get on artisan, but um, yeah, they definitely let the bands just do whatever they want. I mean, and, you know, you know, express whatever they want to express and, you know, the artistic freedom is there. I mean, Another band that, uh, an artist that came out the same day, I think, The Devils was released as Wait. I don't know if you listen listened to that. But I mean, it's polar opposite of Devils, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> like you mentioned, they, they seem to be handpicking bands that they enjoy, so there's a lot of techie, extreme metal on there, and, and they all have such a high quality.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is that sound. Some people have been saying there's like an artisan era sound. I think they're... I think I don't know, it's there but they're also breaking with it again weight doesn't sound like any anything like that and I know um myth of I is more like you know on the label they're more instrumental animals as leaders typey stuff like they're definitely I don't know I mean in my mind I think most of the bands in there are pretty unique you know it's um you know I'm a fan of a majority of them and they all sound very different to me. But I understand that, you know, you see these YouTube comments and some people, they just can't tell the difference. between <laughs> They say they can't tell the difference between, you know, inferior and devils and whoever else. And I'm like, I'm fucking, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> like,
0: so I don't know. Maybe the Artisan era sound, you know, I don't know. But I didn't even realize that weight was part of the Artisan era. Um, that's
1: pretty. Yeah, they, they, they do not seem like they would be. But yeah, no, they're awesome. It's a
0: cool record, very proggy and weird and cynicky. Something I really like about the artisan era is that um, Malcolm and Mike are are integral to the operation of it, but they're also a member of multiple bands. Like, I didn't know this, but I reached out to Demon King um, during the pandemic because I'm like, oh, I really like the EP, and they ended up, uh, I bought the EP and they sent me a signed copy, and then I found out later that Malcolm was actually a part of them as well. I'm like, holy shit. I know he's got he's got his hands in everything dude. It's not I don't know how he has that much energy man. And same with you like releasing two albums simultaneously what the fuck?
1: Oh man.
0: I I yeah I
1: don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he does it for sure. I mean he's involved that's you know, he's involved in everything. I mean, can you imagine running the record label itself? I mean, really it's especially with the challenges you know, COVID brought and the vinyl, you know, plant being backed up. I mean, I'm sure he's stressed as fuck, but the guy works hard and, uh,
0: I mean, he must enjoy it. Well, and in that regard, you can, you can afford to be picky and pick only the bands that you want. Whereas some labels they have enough employees, they have some of the reach, but they do sure. everything they possibly can. I mean, both are very valid ways of doing things, except one just has what they think is more quality. Yeah, totally. No. And it's
1: good. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, Honor to be in two bands on the Sarah. But, you know, it's great. I'm glad they're being Vicky. I mean, and building kind of building their brand, you know, I mean, they really are. I mean, I remember way back, you know, finding Infury and, uh, you know, loving the path to apotheosis. And I think at the time, like, there might have been like two or three bands on the record label at all. It was not really like a thing quite yet. And just seeing it grow has been crazy. You know, they've they've released some awesome stuff, repr like vinyl presses of spawn of possession stuff and like it's just crazy what they're getting. Black crown initiate, another great EP Mm -hmm. pressed on vinyl, like yeah, it's growing. It's getting bigger and it's cool to be part of it for sure.
0: And how did you guys come to work with Artisan Era?
1: Well with um Ethereus, it was uh Let's see. I mean, we finished tracking the album. We were talking about people to mix it. And um, I think probably Kyle had the idea had to ask Mike Lowe to do it. Um, and he's obviously he did all the inferior stuff, uh, everything except the newest record. And he's always done a phenomenal job. He's done some other bands, too. Um, so we had to mix that one. And uh, I mean, we were, you know, hoping he'd like it. But we you know there's no guarantee. But he ended up like it, taking it to mouth they both liked it a lot. And that was that they're like, you want to really release this in an artists and Aaron we're like, fuck him. And so, um, and so you'd think, you know, I'd have the homie hookup, you know, being in Aetherius, me in advance, but not really. So, you know, with devils, I mean, we had, we were in advance were thinking like, oh, maybe they'd be interested in releasing the devil's record, but we weren't really sure because it's, it's obviously different from Aetherius. And I, I I thought at the time that it, you know, quite wasn't quite technical enough that maybe the power metal influence, some of the weirder aspects of it might throw him off. But um we knew we wanted Mike to mix the record because I mean, fucking it's like devil's a super melodic techie stuff and like that's like his go to. Like the inferior records he mixed sounded really good. So we're like, let's just have Mike's mix Mike mix it and you know, it'll sound sick and doesn't get on Arson Era, who cares like it'll at least sound good but um yeah at the end of mike mixing the record yeah he asked us if we want to release
0: it on ours and we're like
1: fucking of course
0: you know so yeah it's not even really a question at that point no i was like yeah fucking duh
1: but funny story though about that um i think it was like a year after ethereus had released absentia and so we we're out touring or whatever and night. Me, we had demoed the whole Devils record out. It was demos, but they, they weren't total shit or anything, but I mean, basically recorded the whole album, uh, demoed it out. And I remember me and Vance had messaged Malcolm and Mike and been like, hey man, like, hey guys, we got this side project called Devils, you know, here's the demos for the record we're gonna release. I don't know if you guys wanna check it out and let us know what you think. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we get a chance, we'll check it out. And then we just never heard anything back. <laughs> I was like, all right, they either hated it, which apparently is not the case. (laughs) Or they just fucking didn't have time, which I'm sure is the case. No knock on them. I understand. They probably have, you know, 100 people a day doing that shit. (laughs) Hitting them up on Facebook. Hey, check out my demos, man.
0: (laughs) But we tried. You know what? Maybe it went to like their junk mail folder.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, I mean. Anyway, it worked out, obviously, but... How long have you been involved with uh, with Artisan Era in both bands? Well,
1: Devils, you know, less, less than a year. I mean, mm-hmm. oh God, I had a timeline written out somewhere. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so like, when did we finish the Devils record? But yeah, Theorius, I mean, that's... Oh God, when did it... I mean, at least, I don't know, like four years now, probably with ethereus maybe a little longer i don't know time always blends together but um yeah devils i mean this is the first you know record out on artisan era so let's see here i wrote it out somewhere we've turned it in april 2021 so we probably had signed them with them like a month prior or something so maybe a year basically about a year okay yeah and then Ethereus, yeah, second record. So, I don't know, whenever Absentia came out, whenever that was, it was like a million years ago at this point. But
0: <laughs> When it comes to the artwork of your uh, album covers, what involvement do you have in Ethereus's album covers?
1: Um, nothing in Aetherius', really. Um, okay. like, you know, Kyle's kind of the, the mastermind there and the brainchild. I mean, I think with... Well, I can't say for the EP, but I know with um, Absentia... We had found a pre-made artwork from Stigma. I'm blanking on the artist's name, but anyway, the um, and it was just something that we thought was sick, and we're like, oh, "That looks good. Let's grab it." And then for this new enlightened, we commissioned him with uh, like a concept Kyle had to
0: design it, and he did this full panel. And that was Sam Nelson, right?
1: I think. Sam Nelson, yeah. He, I think he goes by Stigma on his uh, Facebook page, but yeah. <laughs> Nelson, yeah. And uh he did a killer job. I mean, it's a really cool, very interesting picture for sure.
0: Yeah. I have noticed that you like with with Devils, you've worked with multiple artists where like Ethereus, you've worked with Sam Nelson now twice. Do you happen to know if you're gonna be working with Sam uh further?
1: Probably. I probably I think his style really kind of like reflects the uh, the tone of Ethereus. And devils were still kind of like toying around because the tone of devils is Way different than Therese. You know, Therese thing, very straight, you know, traditional, you know, metal aspect, very serious. Devils, there's like a little tongue-in-cheek element. Like, things, you know, need to be fun. And so we're kind of looking around. But, um, yeah, we did use three different guys. Um, I think, and this one was Chris Cold. I did an awesome job. So this one I actually drew out. I, like, sketched out my own, like, idea for all these like doorways and shit floating around in some nightmarish realm. And uh sent him that picture. Like I think I wrote a little little blurb about what the concept behind the devil's record was and uh like some of the some art pieces that we liked or something. And he came back with that dude and you know the doors and the fucking moons and the plants and shit. I was like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it looks crazy.
0: Looks good. Yeah, I definitely like the album cover. Um, one question I have about it are, is where are the doors going?
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be a question for Vance, the uh, vocalist and uh, lyricist, because he, he wrote it all. Um, I had nothing to do with that. Um, but I know, I think I know they go to just different worlds. It's kind of like he's lost in this maze of some, sounds like a plot of a video game or something. But <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah, I totally lost <laughs> in this maze of Nightmare's doors that all lead to other Nightmare's worlds and you know, he keeps like getting killed and reborn the next day and has to do it over again. And So basically Dark Souls. As I say, he's a big fan of Dark Souls. I I don't play video games these days, so I haven't played them, but I'm, I know about that game and I think that one and I can't remember another one that might be a pretty big influence on what he's writing about. Which, I mean, I think it's lyrically that that fits because you know the music. A lot of people kind of associate the music with video games, and which is interesting because I stopped playing them when I was like in college, so I'm really out of the loop. Last game I bought was Skyrim. So I mean, I don't know how long that was.
0: <laughs> they keep re-releasing it, so it doesn't even matter, <laughs> <I>
1: know, right? <laughs> I'm like, these people go play that, but so. Yeah, people associate, you know, the devil's music with video games. I don't know. And, and maybe it's the lyrics. Maybe it's the sound. I don't know. I mean, I definitely played plenty of video games when I was a kid, but that's the lyrics work. If he wants to write a video game plot for a concept album, hell yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, what, why not? Yeah, I think that's what works for devils, really. I mean, we can't write anything too serious, you know. There's a there's a general... We're not going to write any political fucking songs you know, or something for devils, you know. It's like... I mean, the music is like neoclassical
0: carnival metal. So, I feel like that not taking yourself that seriously is definitely part of that power metal influence that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I love power metal. And, you know, early on when Devils started, like Children of Bodom was a huge, like, you know, huge influence. And they're there. And like, I don't think I wouldn't like if you listen to Devils and you listen to Bodom, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, they sound the same. Mm -hmm but but like their attitude of the music of just like that like have fun like don't take it too serious attitude definitely carried over i mean sure our music's probably a little more serious but at the same time it's like i want to always include that like tongue and cheek element just like do things for the fuck of it like not take it too serious i mean like we have a keyboard player like you know know, we're not going to be behemoth you know no one's gonna You know, nobody's Nurgle in this band, so you can't take it too serious. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, I like it. I want to have fun playing the shit.
0: You know? So, what draws you to power metal then?
1: i probably that fun aspect. Like, I mean, it's uh, the cheese ballness. You know, I love. You know, that's something different that you know, Aetherius gives me a lot of shit is because is uh you know I like like really cheesy like bombastics and phonics. I like Sabaton you know, yeah. and Nightwish, um, super awesome. Um, what else? I listen to a ton of power metal stuff, Blind Guardians, like my favorite band ever. Um, love a progressive, like cheese ball stuff filled with ballads You know, Dream Theater. Uh, Haken's amazing. Um, well, Seventh Wonder, you know, where it's just like, you know, proggy cheeseness. I don't know. I, I just like it. And I, you know, I mean, obviously I like, you know, blood incantation and, you know, like brutal shit. I mean, I love Cannibal Corpse, but I do want to take like an element of that fun kind of cheese ballness just a little bit and like try and like drag it over to tech death. So that's kind of my goal with Devils.
0: Well, and then that way it keeps both bands fresh. You have a little bit more serious techie on one side and then you have that little bit of cheesy avenue where you can kind of, I don't know, perform a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... And that's something I don't, you know, I think that most tech death bands, well, I don't know about most, but I mean, a lot of death metal bands anyway, they're played with a pretty straight face. You know, it's very serious. Um, I mean, there's some that do, you know, little quirky fun things, but I definitely don't see a lot of power metal influence in, you know, anything, (laughs) you know, these days. Oh, that's true. You know, besides power metal, which is, you know, I love, but it's I don't know, just uh, you know, the keyboard solos and shit. Like you know, I mean, they're not like you know, all over that record or anything, the Devil's record. But there's there's a few for sure, and I don't know, just something a little different.
0: Wouldn't it be safe to say that uh, for tech death, maybe it's a little bit hard to be cheesy because mostly they're concentrating.
1: Yeah, possibly. You know, it's I mean, see, yeah, with some of the shit, yeah, for sure, it's. You know, there's that that burden of being able to... People have unrealistic expectations, really, because, you know, we're all human and things now recorded with the technology we have, we can make, you know, everything perfect, you know, inhuman perfect. So people do expect to see that live. And so, you know, we've got a lot of amazing players that are really, you know, concentrated on their performing their shit and they can't quite, you know, goof off as much on stage, you know. Move around, headbang as much, or just kind of have fun with it, because you know it'll you'll fuck up a little bit, and someone will call you out on it or something. It'll get put on YouTube, and everyone'll think you're a shitty guitar player.
0: <laughs> so, well, I mean, as a fan, you definitely have to look at. You have to consider the bands you're seeing and understand what they're trying to do. If you're going to see a super sure. techie band, let's say like Archspire, you're sure as fuck not going to have the same showmanship as you would with, you know, someone like Dio, for example. Nah, they're not going to be doing any spin kicks or
1: anything when they're no. fucking doing their, you know, that's <laughs> it, which is totally fine. I mean, and I, you know, I love Archspire, and, you know, it's, it's, I mean, they're amazing and they actually, have, I mean, they don't run around or have like some crazy stage presence, but they certainly have fun on stage. You know, they, they actually have that kind of element of not taking themselves completely seriously. You know, they're definitely like a fun group.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like they definitely seem like they have a lot of fun. I can, I can just imagine them on stage though, because they're so techie, they, they got to concentrate. And with the vocals being so fast, like I can't even think that fast. No, it's crazy. Yeah. I've, I've tried to
1: follow through the booklet and I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) That's just, that's absurd. Yeah. But yeah, love them. Definitely gonna go check them out. They're coming through here soonish. I think. Yep. next month, month after, something like that.
0: Yeah, I think they're coming through Calgary in May. So I've got my tickets to them, and obviously Inferi's there too. And I'm super yeah. stoked. I just cannot wait. I know, me too. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, there's a bunch of good tours
1: coming through. So I'm excited. So when are you guys coming up this way? Fuck dude, I'd love to, you know. I mean, really, you know, not in the winter, but <laughs> no,
0: no, stay away from here in the winter. For sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, we'll see. You know, when things finally kind of just get relaxed, open back up. I have no doubt we'll we'll definitely be playing some shows and trying to play them wherever we can, really. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we're dying to get out there. Wanna stay busy, you know, and but yeah, just hard to so much limbo.
0: have you been on uh, multiple like, in or sorry, not multiple, but have you been on international tours or traveled overseas with some of your bands?
1: Not with the bands. I mean, I've been overseas myself, but no, uh, the bands have all done um, continental U S tours. Um, you know, Ethereus flew over the East coast at one point, played a show at Philadelphia or something, but most of the stuff has been centered around the Western half of the United States, you know, like, And, uh, you know, we can easily start in Seattle and kind of do a loop, go down the West coast and go over, go through Texas, come back up. Like, you know, we all have day jobs. Um, so, you know, usually it's like two weeks is kind of like, you know, two weeks off work is the max that we can push on a tour, you know? Um, but my work's really cool. And, um. Yeah. And working remote is becoming such a possibility that I'm kind of thinking that on these next tours then I'm just going to work remote completely. And if that works out, I mean, then fucking it's kind of a game changer. Yeah. Well, let's do
0: longer tours. <laughs> Over COVID and I can not personal experience, but a friend of mine, um, so the story is that he basically started working remote he ended up moving to saskatchewan and now the company wanted him to come back and he said basically "Fuck you because i'm more productive now and sure. i think that's been proven time and time again over COVID that they don't actually need to be present for them to be, for the employees to be good and productive so oh for sure that's the problem really
1: yeah no definitely i i fully agree you know i've got a i got a job that normally i was working in a cubicle you know like fucking seven to four or whatever and it's like with a laptop you know, at my house, I can just get 80% at least of the same shit done and not have to drive into work. It's like, yeah, if anything, it saves them money. You know, they don't have to, you know, supply me with endless amounts of coffee and pay the electric bill or whatever. But yeah, for yeah. Sure, you know, remote work, remote work is the, the future, I think. So,
0: There's a benefit to having employees around, but there's also other benefits to have employees at home. And I think if you can make people as comfortable as possible and not have them pretend to stay busy for that amount of time, like you're, you're going to laugh, you're laughing as a company, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I,
1: I fully agree. And um, I think it's really, you know, the whole COVID thing did open up a lot of these companies eyes to that. And uh, yeah, I don't think much will go back. I don't think much will change in that matter. I mean, Right now, like, I'm going to the office, like, three or four days a week and then working remote a lot of that time still during those days and working remote Fridays and, like, I don't think that's going to change. But, you know, so, I mean, that's, if anything, that's the only good thing that's come this last two years, you know, get up with the times and technology and shit, but... (laughs)
0: I would have to argue because there's a lot of sick metal that's come out in the past couple of years.
1: That's true. Well, I think a lot of bands have the same idea. You know, the Theorist and Devils, it was like, well, COVID, you know, shut down everything. I guess we better record an album. <laughs> nothing else to do. We're not playing any shows.
0: I mean, there's people doing those, like, live stream shows, but I don't know. It's not the same. No, I could not pay. I could not bring myself to pay for a ticket for a streaming show. I'd yeah. to- First off, am I drinking by myself? <laughs> Secondly, I'm not going to stand in my basement and just mosh. Yeah, like. no, exactly. And
1: then for the musicians, I mean, you know, playing live, the crowd is such a, you know, important aspect, you know, you feed off their energy, gets you pumped, like, and, you know, trying to look like you're having a stoked time playing to nobody. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you could do that. I mean, it's just not the same at all. You know, band practice, it's like, you know, we're just standing there just, Playing the shit. I mean, we're not trying, you know, it'd be like the same thing, you know. It'd be really hard to get excited in that kind of environment. Which is like, oh look at the chat room. <laughs> like,
0: I, <don't> know. <laughs> I understand, wow. you know, people are trying to do things, you know. That's as useless as having cut bo- or cardboard cutouts in the audience at an NHL <laughs> game or some shit. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's so dumb. Yeah, it's so silly. It's
1: funny one time, well, random, random tangent, but we, (laughs) one time, I think that show with Archspire that uh, Ethereus and Devils played, I could be wrong, but I think our keyboardist Ben couldn't make it. He was doing something. And so we printed a giant cardboard cutout of him and and he was like smoking a blunt and then just like put it on stage for, (laughs) for the show and then backtracked all the keyboards and then at the end, I think we threw it in the mosh pit and they like tore it to pieces, which kind of sucks because I wanted <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway, random cardboard cutout. Fun fact.
0: <laughs> that's actually really funny. Uh, not so funny. On the other hand, um, at work, we have a TV that's always on like a sports channel mm-hmm. and it's kind of just in the lunchroom. So you walk by the lunchroom and you see this dog show and it's like. That's weird. And then I look and there's fucking cardboard cutouts of dogs and people in the audience. It's like, what the <laughs> oh my fuck God. You? Dogs don't bizarre. watch these shows, man. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre.
1: Totally bizarre. Ridiculous. It is. Waste of money, but
0: <sighs> crazy. <laughs> I can't get over some of the stupidity that I've seen over the past couple of years, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. I'm glad it's finally on the uh, way out. Mm-hmm.
0: So it seems. So it seems. But not um, yeah. yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So things are opened up for a little while now. I have concerts to a couple t- or concerts to a couple tickets. I have tickets to a couple <laughs> concerts. After those are done, whatever, I don't mind. But. Right, yeah, for sure. So The Devils of Ludin um was a book written by Aldous Huxley in 1952. Yep. Talked about briefly, um focused around that the small town in France in the 17th century um for anybody who's not familiar the book was written as uh somewhat of a historical narrative of demonic possession and, possession and mass hysteria so were you guys based on that
1: i mean it didn't it not really um this was back like if you go on you know encyclopedia metallum or whatever and look up the band i'll say we formed in 2009 which is technically correct uh, okay a very long time ago <laughs> but um uh, yeah. So our f- original singer of the band, when we formed the band, it was me, Drew, the other guitar player still in the band. And then we had our first vocalist and our first drummer at the time, Jose, and uh, the vocalist Grant had come up with that name. And it was okay. just like, it kind of sounded like children of Bodom, <laughs> Devils Alluding, children of Bodom. like, okay. And then every other fucking band name was taken. So we're like, you know, we had like this huge list and it was like, no, you know, no, no, there's that band in Mexico. Like, you know, it was just, I mean, band names are hard to come by. So <laughs> for better or for worse, we're like, yeah, children are, or Dale Saludin, you know? And uh, it's kind of a, it's, I mean, I'm fine with the name. I mean, it's not the best, but, and it's, it's good for laughs because people always spell it wrong just constantly like we'll see you know we've showed up to a venue before and it literally said devils of london (laughs) like oh that's a new one (laughs) but you know there's a u or an e that's out of place or some shit like people always spell wrong or an o in there somewhere it's just you know it's funny but i know some other bands have the same problem allegion
0: uh You know, I know they've they've had people fuck up their name their entire life. Right? So. It's funny. We've been chatting over like email or Instagram and um even today, just to get, making sure I was ready for um the podcast here. I typed it in wrong. I was like, why isn't this showing up? And I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. I mean, it's you know, it's a weird name. And I would probably, I mean, even a has
1: some of that. We've seen it spelled interesting ways you know ethereos or you know there's like some eyes in there or some shit and it's just you know band name stuff but Buddy you know, eyes but no the band's not based on the book sorry to get back to your point your question um yeah you know i thought you know maybe one day we'll write a song about that because the event is pretty cool it's very interesting you know it's like mass possession uh you know these nuns and they you know it's all Based on a historical event, and they, you know, they blame the uh, priest, Urban Grandeur, I think is the guy's name. And they found this pact, this piece of paper with all these like denomic signatures with this, you know, that he, you know, signed with or something, made a deal with all these demons. And then they ended up like burning this fucking guy and killing him. I think in reality, he was like fucking all the nuns or something. And the <laughs> some really didn't like it. And she forged it. I think that's what people suspect. But, yeah, it's a true, true event that happened. We'd probably write about the, the horror one, but not, you know, the the demon story, not the not the other one, but why not
0: both? Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, maybe one day. You know, that's why we, the different doors on the album cover.
1: Yeah, exactly. We can go any any which way we want to go. And before I lose my point, um the pact that he signed with all those demons and all their crazy demon signatures is on the cover of morbid angels covenant album i think
0: Cool.
1: It's the cover of one of their albums anyway it's like laying tables with uh anyway but that's the pact the devil's loom pact so
0: oh cool that's a, also another fun fact
1: yeah just some that's cool historical shit i'm really i like that kind of like weird you know weird paranormal spooky history stuff and So, uh, but in the end, it was just a band name. Maybe I'll write a song about that story one day.
0: I don't know. Cool. Um, How did you guys choose to go like a melodic death metal route? I mean, it was a long, you know, just a, a
1: long process again. So like, if you look us up, it says, you know, we started 2009, which is technically correct. But, you know, I don't really consider the band being the band it is today until like 2015 when our first EP came out. At that point, Vance was the vocalist and we had like a more solid lineup. We got more serious. We were trying to actually record our music, trying to tour, all that shit. Before, you know, 2015, 2009, we started like, we just, you know, just like started a band and we're just like partying and playing bars and just like kind of goofing off. And, like, I was, you know, we were, I guess we were taking it serious but not very serious we weren't playing out of state or anything we were just writing songs and just you know partying a bunch and over time like the sound kind of started to evolve but i mean it was you know years when we first started we didn't have a keyboardist i mean i guess yeah When we founded like i said it was just me and the other guitar player drew still in the band and uh, vocalist and our drummer. Eventually, we got a bass player. And that was it. And I think the first year of the band we played, um, we didn't have a keyboardist at all. You know, we didn't have Ben yet. We were just playing, like, some really, you know, shitty, very generic, melodic death metal, metal quarry type stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know. We didn't really know what we wanted to do. And, uh, I like, the more we played, the more, like, we started writing songs I started writing more and more because I really enjoy that aspect of the band we kind of started narrowing down like what you know what the fuck do we actually want to do and eventually a year in we're like we wanted to get a keyboardist and we put out a craigslist ad and uh sure enough ben our keyboardist answered it and uh so that added a whole new layer of possibilities of sounds you know to the music and um I think at the time he just went through our whole set we had and just put keyboards over all the songs That's <laughs> an after fact. And they probably sound terrible. Well, actually, I know they're, they're awful. None of those songs have ever been released, but <laughs> for, for a long time we were playing those. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we just kept playing more and more and I just, we just kept writing more and more and eventually kinda like started narrowing our vision. And really, I think we still are like, it's, you know, the, devil sound includes, you know, in my opinion, at least it includes a pretty wide array of influences and like sounds. So, you know, which I like, cause I want, you know, I want it to be able to go anywhere. Really. You know, I don't want to be locked in. Um, I don't want to be, you know, locked in the cannibal corpse mode or black Dahlia murder where they kind of probably feel like they have to keep releasing, you know, your, your Campbell corpse records, like over and over, like that's their sound. If they try and branch out or something, it's it probably would be a little problematic with the fan base, but it's, it's, I think it's easy for bands to get locked into a very specific sound, you know, and kind of stick with that. And um, like, I like, I listen to just so much different metal music really that I just, I want it to be, I want it to be, I want to be able to just do like whatever I want to do. Maybe not in the way that, uh, like between the buried and me, like do like a progressive metal band, like where they're between the buried and me, will just like throw in like a country section, you know, at the end of a song, right. It's just like straight country. It's not like that's, and they can get away with it, which is great. I don't really want to be able to do that with devils, but I want to be able to like, throw in like a, you know, devilized version of something into a song, like kind of take, you know, different elements from different genres and try to make it our own. And so, you know, really, you know, draw from melodic death metal and the tech death and like power metal and progressive and, you know, try to make like a cohesive sound out of that, which has, uh, has its challenges for sure. You know,
0: Um, you said you're in a wide, into a wide range of different metal and different music. So what are some of your favorite genres or subgenres?
1: I mean, like with metal, pretty much like, I mean, almost everything. I think the only genres I don't like actively follow a lot are like super black metal stuff. And like, maybe like thrash. I mean, you know, I love Metallica and shit, but I like, I'm just, those are like the only two genres that come to mind that maybe I don't follow as much as I should. But, you know, again, everything else, I mean, obviously the melodic death metal, technical death metal stuff. Um, I love power metal. Like I said before, I love, you know, progressive metal in all forms. I've been listening to a bunch of uh, leprous right now and the ocean because they're coming through and they're just, I mean, I, I they're not even like leprous is like barely metal, really. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, whatever it is. And it's great. And the ocean's you know, proggy sludgy something like, I don't even know what to call them, but, um, and then on the other side of that, I've been listening to a bunch of weird, I've been listening to a bunch of slam metal, which is new, <laughs> a band called Analepsy, which I never really thought I would listen to, but I mean, the, fucking, the singles they put out are sick. And another band that's opening the Archspire tour coming on soon, uh, the Tech Trek, uh, Volvodynia or something. Their newest album is like fucking crazy.
0: So, they also did a split, and I'm—I have to look this up because I don't want to fuck it up. But they did a split with somebody else and changed the name of of the band just for that. Oh, really? <laughs> it was strange. Yeah, I think it was—I don't want to say it's a crania, but um, I will look it up later. But I'll let you know. Yeah. Wait, maybe. Volvocrania. So yeah, it was Acrania crania and Dania. That's funny. Yeah, that's. That cool. was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I like how slam bands do that. They just seem to do the split thing quite a bit. yeah, and that's, you know, that's just kind of new. I mean, I'm not huge into Slam, but like those bands, I'm like, God damn, like those fucking the the songs, the new songs from Analepsy are crazy. And then, yeah, that Volodynia record is like nuts.
0: I feel like with Slam Metal, um, some of the bands are brutal just to be like super brutal. But some, when I start to appreciate it, I can hear the technicality and and the individual instruments. But when it's just like a hard hitting, brutal nothingness, I can't really identify with the music.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and I think it all really comes back to like a songwriting aspect. I mean, the Vulvodynia record, I don't know if that's how you say their name, but (laughs) I don't even remember what the record's called. I know it's got some ridiculous fucking name, but like it really seems like they sat down and like tried to write interesting and, you know, thoughtful song structures. And like there's songs that have like a chorus, you know, like and, uh, you know, intros and out. like it's just it's well written. I mean, it's easy to write a bunch of really brutal riffs and just string them together and, like, that's a song, you know, and do that for a whole record. But it's a lot more when you sit down and just, like, try and actually, like, think about it, plan it out, you know, add some interesting stuff, some instrumentals, some interludes, all that shit. Like, I mean, you know, I really, the songwriting aspect in metal, I think, has always been important, but it's something that a lot of bands kind of miss because seems so easy to focus on just, you know, this riff is like super crazy and sick. Like they add it to this other super sick and crazy riff. And then you've got, you know, a song with like 10 super crazy riffs. But is it a song, you know, or is it just fucking riffs, you know? So it's something to think about.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned song structure too, partly because I think that people that are not into metal, they don't really associate metal with um, proper song structure with proper composition but as you move into listening to these bands you start to realize that these guys are incredible musicians and i think that's why metal does grow the way it does it's just that for a lot of people they can't get past the brutality and the complexity of the music
1: yeah for sure i mean it's um it's something you have to you really have to like grow into i mean i didn't you know, I think the first time I ever heard screamed vocals might have been Lamb of God, and I was just like, "It's like this is garbage. You, know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't hear what they're saying." You know, <laughs> I was probably like in fucking middle school, like middle school or something. I think my friend, my buddy AJ, was showing me Lamb of God. He was like, "These guys are going to be huge." And It was like Ashes of the Wake or something. Which, and I was just like, "Dude, you can't hear this shit. What are you talking about?" <laughs> like, but it sure, he was right. And then, like, the more exposure I had to it. Like I was, I was always into like heavier, quote unquote, music. I know in like middle school and like fifth grade, I'm listening to a lot of corn and shit, new metal stuff, you know, Lincoln Park and all that crap. But that like you know, rock, whatever. But then like, I think if you're really into music, you seek out more music. Where some people like music, they don't really seek it out. They just listen to it on the radio or whatever. Maybe they do like some records, but they're not really actively like looking for new music if you're in a rock and you start looking for new music constantly you keep finding stuff, You keep finding stuff that's slightly heavier and heavier. It's almost like a drug addiction. Like you keep, you keep needing to use more and more. You need something more extreme to get that same feeling. Eventually you get down to death metal, like <laughs> climb through until finally you're at the bottom and it's death metal, you know? And, uh, I think that uh, that's kind of the path most people have to take. Like they kind of slowly just dive in until they're full on in, and then they're just like all about blast beats and you know whatever. But um, I do think I think metal is a unique genre of music for sure. I think that uh, because you can have a metal band, you can have a metal band that basically does anything they want they can uh, you have a metal band with a country section you know in the middle of it like between the very music so you got a metal band with a electronica edm thing or whatever the fuck you know anything but you never well,
0: like you look at zeal and ardor even which has oh, kind yeah. of like a bluesy rocky feel and I yeah for that. sure it's so yeah amazing.
1: anything you jazzy metal bands
0: yada yada but you're never going to have a jazz band that has a death metal
1: section in the middle of one song <laughs> you know you never have a country band that's like, one of our songs, there's like this huge fucking breakdown. You know? <laughs> or like just that. Like like, Lorna
0: Shore pig squeal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like right in the middle of like, you know, you, you're never going to do it. It's like metal, you can get away with anything. It's almost like the, you know, accumulation of all music just in a ball becomes death metal. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, whatever you want. I mean, look at fucking Opeth. It's like Simon, you know, Simon and Garfunkel meets fucking death metal. It's great. You know, at least, you know, Some of their older stuff. No, their new stuff's pretty (laughs) not metal anymore, but.
0: Yeah, I'm not really a huge fan of their newer stuff, although I do appreciate it because they're trying to experiment with their sound and not just typecasting themselves. I mean, they're
1: musicians. They can play whatever they want, but I mean, yeah, they're older. Obviously, you know, their older stuff holds dear to my heart.
0: Actually, Uh, I was just going to ask. I had to look this up as well. Uh, Since you mentioned Opeth, did you ever get into Storm Corrosion? No, I
1: never did. That was his and Stephen Wilson's project, right? yeah i I think I listened to it once or twice, and it's just not for me yeah i I'm sure I've listened to it at some point, but yeah, it never clicked and um sometimes there's just stuff that just takes a while to kind of click with me i mean there's there's been a lot of bands where the first time I heard them I was going mm, I don't know and then later I'm like completely fucking obsessed with them you know <laughs> it's just weird and Stephen Wilson is you know obviously a legend he's amazing amazing musician um but yeah his music hasn't quite clicked with me there's some tracks that i have heard um some songs he's done that are really cool and i like but like i can't get into that full-on like obsession mode where i need to know you know every song on every album and you know fucking learn the history
0: yeah no doubt so with all that said um and we've mentioned a shit ton of bands now who are some of your personal favorites
1: Hmm. Like all time, like just at the moment, like. Whatever you choose, like. God, I mean, that's so tough because there's so much music. I mean, my favorites, one of my favorite bands is Blind Guardian, for sure. Um, they have an album concept album about Lord of the Rings called <laughs> Nightfall, of Middle Earth. And it's fucking just it's so cool to me. It's one of my favorites for sure. I had Black Dog Murders Nocturnal. That's up there. I mean, that's that was a huge influence on Devil's Riffing. The guitar playing, just um, dissection, Storm of the Lights, Bane. I guess that's blackened, you know, melodic death metal stuff. I mean, that album is perfect. Um, Gojira from Mars to Sirius. Fucking like nothing like a completely unique record. When I think progressive metal, a lot of people like to label bands. I'm going to go off on a tangent now. A lot of people like to be proking to you know, label their genre as progressive, but they're just like, playing in like 5.8 or something. Like, they're just like, they're not really doing anything progressive, like anything that hasn't been done before, or progressing the genre anyway. Like, I think Gojira from Mars to Sirius is a truly progressive record. Like, I don't think there's anything fucking on the planet like that. I mean, just the sound of the record is huge. I don't think there's a single fucking guitar solo in the entire thing. It's like 70 minutes long. Like, they will just repeat, like, the heaviest riff over and over. Like, but at the same time, it's so interesting. And anyway, I love that record for sure. Um, what's another genre of metal What was I thinking of? Uh, Dream Theaters, uh, Scenes from a Memory, Dream Theater, Scenes from Memory. Fucking one of my favorite. You know, concept albums all the time, super sick. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like I can find, you know, like there's just good music everywhere in every little subgenre of metal. You know, you just got to dig through it enough.
0: I agree. Yeah. So Scott, for um, for people looking for your music, where's the best place to find it for you guys?
1: I mean, we're, you know, all the usual spots, you know, we're on Bandcamp, you know, iTunes, Spotify, you know, probably any music streaming platform. I'm sure we're on there, you know, and if, you know, obviously we have a Facebook and Instagram if you want to follow us,
0: you know, posting bullshit on the Internet. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the time you spent with me today. And again, thank you for joining me. Pleasure, man. See ya. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.